Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Qi Zhi. Coming up, U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he will survive a threat to oust him after working with Democrats to pass a spending bill. Turkey has launched airstrikes in Iraqi Kurdistan in response to a bomb attack near the Turkish parliament. And the United Nations World Food Programme has expressed concern about the funding shortfall that is threatening Uganda's refugee programme. We begin in North America. Top U.S. House Republican Kevin McCarthy says he will survive a threat to his speakership after a hotline critic within his party called for his removal. This comes after McCarthy worked with the Democrats to pass a last-minute short-term spending bill that averted a government shutdown. Sean Caleb's reports from Washington D.C. Well, the first thing that happened on Capitol Hill was probably a collective sigh of relief that the U.S. avoided another government shutdown. But now, lawmakers are scheduled to come back to Capitol Hill and begin trying to hammer out a measure moving forward. They only have. 45 days under the continuing resolution of funding、uh, available to keep going, so they're under the clock once again.、Uh, they were able to work out a deal, chiefly because the Republican Speaker, House of Representatives Kevin McCarthy, crossed party lines to work with the Democrats to find a way to move forward. For weeks, McCarthy had been trying to、uh, coddle, work with the ultra-conservative members、uh, on on Congress, a group known as the Freedom Caucus, but to no avail. Finally, when it became clear the only alternative was a shutdown, that's when McCarthy、uh, crossed party lines.、Uh, certainly, President Biden, who signed the measure, is pleased, but he said we can't continue to operate like this as a nation. It's good news for the American people because the government will not shut down, and a needless crisis will have been averted. But, folks, the truth is we shouldn't be here in the first place. We shouldn't have gotten here in the first place. It's time to end governing by crisis and keep your word when you give it in the Congress. The first thing McCarthy is going to have to do is fight for his job. Some conservative lawmakers say they are going to be gunning for him. They want him removed as Speaker because. Instead of working with Republicans, he chose to cross party lines and work with the Democrats. And in the end, more Democrats voted for the measure that McCarthy pushed through than Republicans did. And the MAGA Republicans just didn't get what they wanted. They wanted deep financial cuts. They also wanted money to secure the border with Mexico.、Uh, that didn't happen. The Democrats they got 16 billion dollars for funding to take care of all the issues that came with climate change this year: the fires in Maui, flooding, drought.、Uh, but they did not get funding for. Continuing funding for Ukraine, and that's something、uh, that upset many Democrats, including President Biden. We cannot, under any circumstance, allow American support for Ukraine to be interrupted. I fully expect the Speaker to keep his commitment to secure the passage and support needed to help Ukraine. And I want to assure our American allies and the American people and the people of Ukraine that you can count on our support. 
Now, remember, under this continuing resolution, they only have money for 45 days. That's a little more than six weeks. So they're going to have to get to work very quickly. And if indeed the Republicans, uh, ultra-conservative members, try to push McCarthy from power, it's going to make it nearly impossible to find some kind of way to move forward. So once again, Democrats are going to have to come uh, to McCarthy's aid. But I think that one lawmaker said it best yesterday. Whenever there's a government shutdown, nobody wins. That was Sean Caleb in Washington. In Asia, the Turkish defense ministry says its forces carried out airstrikes in northern Iraq late Sunday. It was targeting the Kurdistan Workers' Party or PKK in retaliation for a bomb blast in Ankara, for which the group has claimed responsibility. Turkey considers the PKK to be a terrorist organization. Mihail Bardavid has more. The terror attack took place near the entrance of Turkey's interior ministry, not too far from the parliament, which reopened later on Sunday afternoon. The attack was carried out by two people. First, a suicide bomber detonated an explosive device and was the only one killed by the blast. The second assailant was later killed by police during a gunfight. Two police officers were wounded. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan gave the opening speech at the parliament. We will continue our struggle with determination until the last terrorist is eliminated domestically and abroad. We will not allow the terrorist organization to direct politics and prevent our country's blessed march. The Kurdistan Workers' Party, the PKK, has reportedly accepted responsibility, according to a news website close to the group. The parliament's general council is set to hold its first 2024 legislative session on Tuesday. There are many issues on the agenda, including a new constitution, which the ruling Justice and Development Party has been working on for some time, as well as legislation on climate change and earthquake law. One critical issue will also be Sweden's NATO membership bid. The president has given a green light, but the parliament still needs to ratify it. Many Western allies, such as the United States, are eager for Sweden to join the military alliance and are closely following developments. That's Mihail Bar-David on Turkey's strikes on the PKK. Elsewhere in Asia, the sports venues of the ongoing Asian Games in Hangzhou and its co-host cities have become popular tourist attractions during the eight-day national holiday. Tens of thousands of sports fans have poured in to experience the speed and strength of the Games. He Qianli has more on how the Asian Games have added extra liveliness to the host city of Hangzhou. During this National Day holiday, Hangzhou has become one of the top three popular destinations. This is especially noticeable because the Asian Games are currently taking place in Hangzhou. As a result, there has been a significant surge in the number of tourists and athletes from all over the globe flocking to the city, giving the city's tourism ministry a major boost. During the Asian Games period, it is anticipated that over 20 million tourists from outside of the city will visit Hangzhou. Official data shows that the Asian Games is expected to contribute 414 billion yuan to the city's GDP, which is about 57 billion US dollars. Moreover, the influx of visitors not only benefits local tourism spending, but also leads to growth in other sectors like dining, hotels, transportation and shopping. And the tourism consumption in Hangzhou is not only driving its own growth, but also benefiting the surrounding areas in Zhejiang province. Cities nearby, for example, including Ningbo, Wenzhou, Xiaoxing and Jinghua, are also facing a shortage of hotel rooms because of the increased tourist influx. Data shows that hotel bookings in Hangzhou's surrounding cities have increased by over five times during the Asian Games, compared to the figures recorded in 2019. That was He Qianli reporting in Hangzhou. 
Turning to Europe, China and Germany have agreed to boost financial policy cooperation, oppose trade protectionism, and promote a transparent and non-discriminatory multilateral trading system. The two sides made the joint statement as their delegations met in Frankfurt to discuss the future of the bilateral financial relationship. Peter Oliver reports from Berlin. The delegations, headed up by Chinese Vice Premier He Lifang and German Finance Minister Christian Lindner, met, and there was an awful lot for them to talk about. The last time these two nations met at this level was way back in January 2019, before the COVID-19 pandemic, before the conflict in Ukraine, and with an entirely different German government. The two leaders talked about global economic recovery and agreed that the mechanisms already in place with the World Bank and IMF were the best way to help developing nations. Expansion of market access between Germany and China was front and center, particularly when it came to banking and investment. Investing in China by German firms in R&B was also heavily talked about, as was cooperation when it came to fighting financial crimes. And there was also heavy hints. That we're going to be seeing a lot more of these meetings in the future. Both sides are determined to expand market access options and create a level playing field, i.e., competitive conditions. This creates opportunities on both sides for more responsible action and investments. Germany's economy is stagnating right now. The latest government-commissioned forecasts, including those by Lindner's ministry, suggest a 0.6% decline in GDP for 2023. That casts Germany well off the EU average of 0.8% growth. Chinese Vice Premier He Lifang told the media that Germany and China could find mutually beneficial solutions by working together. Last year, trade between Germany and China was worth almost 300 billion dollars. And if Germany is to weather the current financial choppy waters it finds itself in, a close partnership with China may well be essential. That was Peter Oliver reporting in Berlin. Finally, in Africa, a funding shortfall is threatening Uganda's much-admired refugee program. The United Nations World Food Programme says donor cuts have greatly affected the quality of life for refugees. Some have engaged in criminal activities to survive. Henry Isiga reports from Western Uganda. Shukuru Mzaliwa Shifa is venturing into soap making to make some money. She has been struggling to put food on plate since aid agencies cut rations. Before doing this soap, some of us, some of girls and women's, they are they they were joining the bad peer groups and getting the early married, uh, early pregnancies. Many refugees have started income-generating activities to make ends meet. These women are weaving their way out of the current crisis. Figures from the UN Food Agency show that about 70% of the refugees here are mothers, and they are finding it hard to fend for their children amidst increasing donor cuts. Their only hope is to venture into petty trade like this to put food on the table. And for those who can't afford the basic necessities, survival is for the fittest. For example, we are seeing some of them are resorting to sell of their of their household assets. A person has a, a goat or a cup or even a radio or even a phone, and they sell they sell that. And by the way, I am not ashamed to say this: that because we are very close to the community, 
the host community is already making cries over refugees, sneaking into their villages and stealing from them. That's how, how despicable the situation is. The UN Food Agency is now appealing for immediate intervention before the situation gets out of hand. To be very honest with you, if donor support is not mobilized within the shortest possible time, we are yet to see another human catastrophe. And so what is the level of human need that we are talking about? Um, we are talking about 78 to 79 million shilling, rather US million dollars by 2024 February. The UN Food Agency reduced food rations from 70% to 30% early this year. But as the situation unfolds, they are likely to reduce it further below 30%. But with no major responses coming in, Shukuru and a million more refugees in Uganda could be headed for tough times ahead. That's Hilary Asiga on Uganda's refugee program. And recapping today's headlines, U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he will survive a threat to oust him after working with Democrats to pass a spending bill. Turkey has launched airstrikes in Iraqi Kurdistan in response to a bomb attack near the Turkish parliament. And the United Nations World Food Programme has expressed concern about a funding shortfall threatening Uganda's refugee programme. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Qi Zhi. Thank you for listening.